beautiful beings, and welcome to the Paranormal and Proud Podcast. I'm your host, Serena, and now you can find me on multiple podcast platforms. And also listen to me on the KUAP Digital Broadcasting, Troubled Minds Radio. You can also find some other incredible shows by some amazing and brilliant people, along with Michael Strange, the owner and creator of Troubled Minds Radio. He also has a podcast by the same name and does live streams five nights a week where he allows people to call in and give their point of view on some incredible topics. You should really check it out. You can find everything Troubled Minds related, including listen live to the radio station on troubledminds.org. Now, on with the show. Tonight on Paranormal and Proud, we're going to be covering a pretty iconic haunting. It's known as one of the most haunted houses in Kansas and possibly the whole country. Kansas is known for its spread out and vast rural areas with rolling farm fields full of crops that significantly feed our country. Kansas is also known as the leader in agriculture in the U.S. It leads the nation to supply grain, wheat, and even beef. Kansas seems to be on its way to taking the title of the dairy state from my home of Wisconsin. Kansas has a couple of well-known colleges and it's even the home of the original house in the Wizard of Oz. The city of Wamego is unassuming, and the Wizard of Oz house is pretty underwhelming. I've been to Kansas a couple of times and have driven past it out of curiosity, and it's kind of smack dab in the middle of town. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's got witch's legs that come out from underneath it, like in the movie, but it's just a little white house in the center of town. They also have a little museum. For the case tonight, we head to Northeast Kansas in Atchison. Atchison is well known for the as the birthplace of Amelia Earhart. The home she was born in, her grandparents, is actually well known to be haunted as well. However, that is not the most famous haunted house in Atchison. On September 17, 1994, an episode of the hit series Sightings on the Sci-Fi Channel premiered. For me, Sightings was one of the first paranormal shows that I got into. I was pretty young. I was only probably around seven at the time when the show came out, but I remember trying to watch this pretty much weekly to catch the paranormal happenings. And I've always specifically remembered this episode out of every single episode in all the seasons of the series. I was one of those kids that would try to cover my eyes but peek between my fingers to catch whatever creepy evidence the crew captured. Needless to say, I was a little freaked out, but I was extremely curious at the same time. The Sally House was built in the mid-1800s. It's unassuming, and it's a small home in Kansas and it appears to hold some dark secrets. There are three documented deaths in the home, and these deaths aren't very significant. They're just kind of old age type deaths. The home was built by a doctor by the name of M.C. Finney, Michael Finney, and his son, Charles Finney, followed in his footsteps and became a surgeon. He turned the lower level into basically a doctor's office, and back in the 1800s, people did a lot of surgeries and homes because there weren't many hospitals in the areas and they were pretty primitive. The legend goes 
that Dr. Charles Finney had to perform a an emergency epidectomy on a little girl named Sally. Her mom rushed her in because she was in dire condition and she was in great pain. And when Dr. Finney went to sedate her, he must not have sedated her well enough because she woke up and the rumor says it was either before the surgery happened or right in the middle of it because she woke up, her eyes flew wide open and looked him straight in the eye and died on the table right there in front of them. Unfortunately, even though extensive research has been done on this, because Sally is known as the most well-known ghost in the home, they were unable to find ev any evidence that this actually happened. The biggest evidence, honestly, is from psychics, but they all seem to collaborate their stories whenever they investigate the home. Which, of course, we have to take with a grain of salt. We have to be objective and ask questions. Today, the home is owned by a man named Les but he allows the local chamber of commerce to manage it and coordinate all the ghost tours and investigations. They turned it into a museum where you can take tours and even spend the night scene if you experience any activity. The woman from the chamber of commerce named Maria is in charge of the home and puts together a brochure of do's and don'ts for investigating the property. One of the biggest don'ts is don't try to perform any magic rituals to bring out spirits. A woman that resided there at one point was rumored to be a witch and had created a pentagram on the basement floor, which Les had to destroy. I believe he had to paint over it to get rid of it. 30 years ago, the cast and crew from the show Sightings took a trip to Atchison, Kansas. They heard of a young couple that had experiences in that home. Tony and Deborah Pickman lived in what is known as the Sally home with their infant son, Taylor. During the episode, Taylor was only a month or two old. However, most of the activity had happened in his nursery. One of the most well-known happenings was a group of stuffed animals would end up in a circle on his floor, like they were having, I don't know, story time or a seance. Needless to say, Tony and Deborah were extremely alarmed because at first they thought that they were playing pranks on each other, and when they figured out that nobody had done it, they would have friends over so their friends could see what was happening. And needless to say, they all watched each other very closely. And then when they would check on the bears and the stuffed animals, they would be back in a circle after Deborah put them all away. The family observed moving objects and physical touches, you know, cold spots, the basic happenings of a haunted house. However, Tony would be the only one that would be violently attacked in the home. Out of nowhere, he would feel burning sensations on his skin and scratches would appear out of seemingly nowhere. Tony was taking a nap on the couch and awoke in a panic because he felt pain on his butt. He ran upstairs to his wife who was just getting out of the shower and dropped his pants right then and there and said she bit me. And she observed, and there actually was a bite mark right below his butt on his upper thigh. And she actually thought this was hilarious, but she documented that it was a small mouth. So it wasn't an adult-sized bite. It was the bite of a child. Tony became increasingly worried because he would start feeling 
oppressive type feelings where he was just depressed and angry and he started feeling like he wanted to hurt his wife. One day, while he was in the kitchen, Tony saw an apparition of an adorable little girl with big wide eyes and beautiful little curls coming off of her head and it scared the heck out of him and he said that it looked like she was just as scared to see him as he was to see her and he dropped his glass of juice which shattered all over the floor and as soon as it shattered she disappeared so he ran up to tell his wife what had happened and she didn't believe him but he decided to make a drawing of this little girl he said it took him a couple seconds pretty much to draw this and it's actually a pretty famous picture that you if you search this case it's probably one of the first things that are going to pop up now tony wasn't sure if this was actually a little girl because some people believe that demonic presences will appear as innocent children to fool you into thinking that they're safe that way they can get into your life and affect you One of the most terrifying attacks Tony experienced was when he was taking a nap in the master bedroom. And he said he woke to see the room erupting in chaos. Dresser drawers were slamming open and shut and things were levitating off the floor. Heavy tables and desks and his waterbed, I know. Waterbeds are a really old thing. Younger people listening probably don't know what those are, but long time ago, in the 80s and 90s, we had waterbeds where basically a giant balloon filled with water, and it was an experience. I'm pretty sure it killed people's backs. He said he was just flopping up and down on this waterbed because it was like ocean waves because it was just so violently shaking. He said he tried to call out for Deborah, but he could barely get a scream out of his mouth. It was like a muffled scream, you know, like when you have a nightmare and something bad is happening and you try to scream out and it's just like this squeak that comes out of your mouth. He said that's what happened to him. He saw an apparition form that turned into an elderly woman and she had appeared at his bedside. She reached out for him, angrily saying, I'm gonna... And then the voice stopped and a raven appeared to land on her arm and she just disappeared out of no into nowhere. Once this happened, all the activity stopped and Tony basically sank out of the bed and crawled on his hands and knees to his wife and baby. They were in the nursery and she was taking care of them. And she had heard a little bit of a yell from the other room, but she said it was very muffled. He had told her what had happened, and she said she heard nothing. As I said, she heard a little bit of a muffled yell from him, but other than that, she heard no loud noises. And the way he described it, it was like a party going on in this room with all the furniture. After that incident, they were only there for a couple months before they both decided they were going to pack up and move out. When the family appeared on sightings, the film cast and crew had experiences of audio and visual equipment going on and off, previously full batteries suddenly draining, which is very common in some ghost investigations, that ghost hunters will experience that the spirits will 
drain their batteries and their electronics and manipulate the equipment. And it said that everybody had an uneasy feeling in the home. It was an overall consensus that women and children were rarely physically affected by this entity. It was mostly men, specifically men that were dads that would be scratched and touched and scared. Back in 2015, on an episode of Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel, Tony and Deborah returned to the home for the first time since 2006. Tony had tried to stay away from there, although he said that he would feel compelled to go back. So he finally agreed to appear on the show Ghost Adventures. And I'm on the fence a lot about that show because I know there's a lot of theatrics involved and a lot of jumping up and down and seeing orbs that are possibly dust and... But it was a pretty good episode. There was a lot of good history in there. And Zach Baggins is clearly doing something right because he's got a lot of shows. And if I'm ever in the Vegas area, I wouldn't mind checking out his museum. During their investigation, in only a short amount of time, Tony ended up feeling a heavy feeling upon entering the home. One of the Ghost Adventures crew ended up being scratched significantly on his arm, and it appeared to grow on camera. The rest of the investigation where Tony and Deborah joined, there were feelings of nausea and disorientation, and while the investigation was beginning to wrap up with the Pikmins, Tony ended up feeling a burning feeling on the back of his head, which turned into a pretty significant welt and they were on their way out when this happened. Once you get past the typical theatrics, it was a pretty decent episode, and they definitely used the Pikmins as trigger objects. Trigger objects are essentially items and even sometimes people that are brought onto a location that they think that the spirits might remember and find significant. And Tony and Debbie had so much activity happen to them they figured, why not? The ghosts will probably remember them. As far as a more compelling and in-depth investigation, I referenced the research that was done on a podcast called Astonishing Legends. Forrest and Scott, the hosts, along with their team, did a comprehensive, extremely in-depth investigation that included interviews with the Pigments, Maria, the woman who runs the tours and investigations, the homeowner Les, and several audio experts. They even did their own short investigation. When they did their investigation, Scott had placed a digital voice recorder in the nursery where a good amount of the activity would be observed. He left it alone in there for about five minutes when he went downstairs to make sure that there was no noise coming from anybody talking and he caught an incredibly jarring, hard-to-make-out EVP. And you can't really make out words, but it sounded like somebody screaming intensely into the recorder. And they had what they dubbed File 10 analyzed by some experts in the audio and paranormal investigation field. They actually had several experts look into this. They even brought it to a ham radio store and had some of the experts there just make sure 
that it couldn't have been some kind of ham radio interference because the words that they are able to make up are actually pretty garbled. It almost sounds like a, one person screaming with a bunch of people in the background talking once they clean it up with experts and analyze it a little bit more. What Scott thought he heard once they were putting it through some different filters and different audio programs was, this is not the Sally house, this is my house, followed by a few expletive words, and this is my house, I'm Michael, which Michael is the man who built the house, Dr. Michael Finney. At least that is what they have come to the conclusion of, at least their best guess, I guess you can say. They were really disturbed by this EVP recording, especially Scott. But after all the analysis they did, he came to the conclusion that this just sounded like a really frustrated person. That, you know, when people are walking through the house constantly and this apparition can't be heard by everybody and this is his house, of course he's going to be frustrated. He's telling people to get out and they can't hear him. He just wants them peace and quiet because he built this home, if that is the case, of course. Some of the experts they spoke to believe that this is a potential porter, portal of sorts since there is so much traffic going in and out of the home by the living. The house, the entities can feed from that energy and when people are there, the spirits rarely disappoint. It's like they have that blast of energy that they can use to manifest and move objects. Once all was said and done, they didn't believe there was anything evil or demonic there. That EVP may have been jarring and pretty disturbing when you first hear it, but honestly, there are good and bad people in life. And... There's also good and bad people in the afterlife if you stick around. The living have their good days and their bad days, and spirits probably do too. If this is truly the homeowner, Michael Finney, I mean, there's living people coming through. There's ghosts that possibly could be coming in and out of portals, and he's frustrated. I mean, if we're having a bad day, why couldn't they ha be having bad days on the other side of the veil? If you want to hear that episode of Astonishing Legends, there's actually, I believe, four. They're very long, but they're actually really neat. And they do play that EVP in, at the end of episode two. And if you're interested in the history of this home, I would really recommend it. I've also been really trying to find the old school sightings episode. Back when they recorded these episodes in 2018, they said they were on YouTube. But as we know, YouTube has changed greatly over the few years that we've had. So I haven't been able to find it. But I'm going to keep looking because if anything, it's really nostalgic. And being from the early 90s, it's pretty laughable at times. When Tony and Deborah appeared on this show, he was, at least Tony was blurred out. I don't remember if Deborah was, and they were under pseudonyms. They actually did three parts on this, so as I said before, I'm going to keep trying to find it.
To this day, the Pickmans, including their son Taylor, are very involved in the paranormal community, and they do talks, and Deborah even wrote a book. So next time you're in Kansas, swing by Atchison. It's not too far from Kansas City. And it's a pretty historical town. It's got some hauntings, home of Amelia Earhart, and seems like a pretty good vacation destination. And that's the haunting of the Sally House. So what you think? Do you think that this is a portal? Do you think this is a bunch of garbage? Do you think that this is definitely something that's happening, possibly demonic in nature? I don't know. Let me know if you want to send me an email. I now have an email address. It is paranormalandproudpod at gmail.com. I have my link to my link tree in the show notes. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Personally, for me, I believe that anything is possible. I agree myself with the theory that it's probably the homeowner and they're just pretty ticked off because people go tromping through his home and there have been break-ins because people are curious and the hauntings. From what they said in the investigations that it's a house that never disappoints. It's If you go there expecting activity, you are going to get activity. Well, my friends, we did it again. Another episode of Paranormal and Proud Podcast in the books. And now that I've got an email address, I would love for you to email me and let me know what you want to hear. I would love to hear of any hauntings or cryptids or conspiracy theories, alien abductions. I mean, as long as it's outside of the box and different, I would love to do an episode on it. I mean, last week I did a three-parter on true crime, culty, satanic panic type scenario, and it was a lot of fun, so there's not much that's off the table. Just a quick reminder, my friends, it is the end of Mental Health Awareness Month, and as far as I'm concerned, every day should be aware of mental health because it affects more people than you might know. There's a lot of people that you would never imagine would be going through something, and they absolutely are. So being a smiling face or a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on may be that person's biggest light of their day. And if you are struggling, please reach out. The U.S. now has a a hotline that you can dial when you're struggling, 988, and they will talk to you. And if you're really having a tough time, they can help you find the resources you need to get better. Anyway, my friends, thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Have a wonderful night. Thank you.